0: A friend of mine recently said if they would have passed out, least likely to succeed, I would have got it. Welcome to the Backyards of Key West podcast with your host, Mark Barato.
1: Okay, so this is the Backyard of Key West podcast. My name is Mark Barato, and I have here a very special guest, someone I've been wanting to talk to with a business that I've wanted to talk, talk about um, ever since I've been coming to Key West. And I have here Scott Saunders with Fury Key West Water Sports. Yes.
0: Right on. Is that how we say it? Yeah, it's, we call it Fury Water Adventures. Okay. You know, because we think we do a lot more than just water sports. Mm-hmm. You know, we do tours that are just not a water sport, we do things that are really adventurous. We have, you know, uh, we have a You know, an 18,500 square foot water park in the Gulf of Mexico. Wow. We have, you know, it's a state-certified water park with large water toys, so it's kind of an adventure out there. And then we do the island adventure, which goes 13 miles west of Key West. Wow. And these special places. So it you know, we do traditional parasail and jet ski and reef snorkel and sunset and glass bottom boat. But we have the adventure side of the company, which is pretty exciting. Too.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's how I know of the business myself is because I have an 11 year old and we would go and do the ultimate adventure and stuff like that right. on the water where it's a handful of a variety of different things mm-hmm. we can do. We can do a half day, full day foods on there. You get beer after you do the jet skis, of course. Right. And it's it's a fun thing to do, um, whether you're local or not. And one of the things that I just recently realized that I didn't even know, was that when it was my son's birthday, which is he's a July baby, so it's in the summer, and I called up, like I was going to buy tickets online, but then I called up and spoke to someone at customer service. Cause I'm like, listen, do you guys do local discounts? They're like, yeah. I'm like, awesome. Cause I'm taking my son out. It's his birthday. He's like, wait a minute. It's his birthday. He gets to come for free. free. Yeah. So he was free. My wife and I were local discounts, which is two for one. I mean, it was
0: like the best deal in the world. Right on. Well, that's good. We, we love the locals and we do do free on our birthday, uh, free on anyone's birthday. So it is. I mean, we we really embrace our local community because we think it's it's what you, what great companies do and it's it's definitely part of this company's DNA. We engage locally um with locals and our community. Yeah. That's just what we do. Yeah.
1: And and I can I mean, you guys dominate obviously on the island. I mean, because one of the things when I'm interviewing everyone, it's always like, "Oh, what's a favorite thing you like to do with tourists when they come into town?" And it's like, "Go on the water." Everything's like, "Get on that water," and Key West is known for that, right? People come here for that. Yeah. Um, and everywhere you go, every turn you make, every part where you get close to the water, you see Fury. So we're gonna get into that in a second. But a couple things is, why don't you explain what you do for the company and the bit and the overall business itself.
0: Well, what I what I do for the company has definitely changed a lot, mm-hmm. right? Where I'm at today, and this is 17 years later wow. since we this, this began. It started in 2000, early 2004. My my time with the company has what I do for the company has changed a lot. You know, early on, this I was the accountant, I was the you know, boat mechanic, I was whatever the company needed. We were very right. small. We started out with, you know, Two, 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 two catamarans.
1: Right, like any startup. you right. cleaning so toilets. We, whatever and doing whatever,
0: whatever it took. And today, you know, I feel privileged as can be mm-hmm. because I, I have a phenomenal team at Fury, and I get to enjoy work and enjoy that team every day. Mm-hmm. I'm not as hands-on in the field as I used to be, but we have an ops team that's as good as any ops team ever on the earth, earth ever created. Mm-hmm. They are brilliant at what they do in the operation. I have a sales and marketing group. We have an accounting department. Every aspect of this company is, is to, to me, staffed with incredible people, and I find it just a joy yeah. to be a part of this team every day. Am I, do I have input? Of course I do, Right. because I've got 17 years and a lot of background.
1: That's the thing. You have calluses on your hands from actually doing all of the things that everyone's doing now.
0: Yeah, and so... It, you know, and I think we we it's it's a wonderful team. We all get along. We all have this. We call it the Fury family. I'm not just making it up for this podcast. We are the Fury family. We are we are a, a large company that has a very family mentality, and mm-hmm. I think it, it it is a large part of our success that yeah. we have that mentality within this company. We give a shit about. Excuse me. Yeah. No, you can say shit we ca- we we care about our people. Yeah. I mean, and that I think. Any company, we, you can, I'm a CPA as well, and you could look at a company's financial statements, but it misses the biggest asset of any company: it's people. Mm. We don't we don't put the people factor. Well, that, that human effort on a balance sheet, but it is the most important ingredient.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of progressive companies now that are advancing quickly that are putting human resources on a pedestal and making them sometimes the two, three, four most important person there because it's not just about like sexual harassment and onboarding. Yep. It's about understanding your people and what their needs are because the person that came in that was 22 years old that then becomes 30 and then becomes 40 and then have children and they go away and all these different things that happen, their wants are different. The 20-year-old may just want to come and hustle their butt off. The 30-year-old may want more family time, right? So you have to constantly be understanding what your staff wants instead of they're not robots. You don't just plug them in and let them go. That's exactly right. Yeah. So did you start the company or is it a family business?
0: No, I was... um... The company uh, was started in 1998, um, and it was it was a company that had cruise ship contracts. Mm-hmm. All they did was when cruise ships con- cruise ships came to Key West, they would put cruise shippers on their boat to do snorkels and sunsets. That was the company, mm-hmm. um, and that company had no market presence, had no brand, had no name. Um, but they had two catamarans. Was and it called it, Fury? It was called, the boat okay. was called Fury. Right. Right. The Got boat it. was called, yeah. the boat was called Fury. Um, and so we looked at the name of the boats and I went, you know, that could be a great brand. Mm. And so we did, we went after looking at, you know, the, the boat was called the Fury Atlantic, mm-hmm. but I don't want to call the company Fury Atlantic. Right. So I've looked at Fury. I thought it had a nice ring to it. And so we built a, you know, we, we went into with our creative group, black dog advertising. And, um, we looked at how we could develop that name into a brand mm-hmm. and that's where the oval and the kind of crusting right. of the waves came came into being um, but that was back in early 2004, and that's we built. We decided, you know, we had I had a little bit of a division too of what I wanted to do with the company. I didn't just want to keep it at two catamarans. Right. I, I had a kind of a more futuristic approach to what I really wanted to do with this company called Fury. Right. And I think we we have definitely achieved that. And it's been a lot of hard work in the many many years. So were you born in Key West? How long you been? Here? I am four generations from Key West. Wow, yeah, okay. I, so am, I am super conk. <laughs> I'm a super local, right? I am not that freshwater. I'm the guy that's been yeah. here a long time. My and I. Have children and make fifth gen- make, gen make a fifth generation. Wow!
1: So, what were you doing beforehand? Like, I always like going into the origin story of yeah. things because it really gets you learning about the mindset and having a different approach on how you view the business through the eyes of the owner. So, what were you doing before this? I heard CPA, so I'm assuming and, you're an accountant.
0: And that's just it. I was um, I was a CPA. Uh, I came back to Key West. I spent uh, you know years at University of Central Florida. <laughs> And then I worked for the largest accounting firm in the world for five and a half years called Arthur Anderson, who's mm-hmm. no longer a firm right. now. Um, and then I came to Key West as a CPA. And a couple of years after I got here, I opened my own firm. And so I was,
1: wait, you come back to Key West as a CPA. And when you're like, okay, I'm going to look to open my own firm right away. Or were you like, I'm going to go work for someone? Was there a lot of, was there like one accountant named Bill on the island? Like how, how was that going on?
0: <laughs> it's interesting. It's a great, great question. Um, when I came when when I came back, my goal was I wanted to have my own firm. I right. wanted to be back in Key West. Scott Saunders is here. Right, he wants to have his right. own CPA firm. Uh, you know, and that was the goal. That was I didn't have a vision beyond that. Right, because right. you
1: just came from that world, a huge company, yeah, global yeah. Uh, national company, and you're like, I'm going to do that here.
0: But here's the interesting thing, yeah. right? So the work I was doing with that that large company is not the work you do in Key West. Right, of course. And so I, I worked for for a. a Firm called Kemp and Green, William Kemp, who still he's also a multi generational native. Um, worked with him for a few years, got a good feel for you know island accounting and what the business, the small businesses mm-hmm. that were here. And then I did venture out on my own. I think about in nineteen ninety seven or ninety eight. And um, but you know I was working really hard and growing my firm. And I, the idea to me was, do I want to only earn revenue while I have to have billable hours? Right. I thought to myself, re- wealth generation is not going to happen solely by me doing billable hours and hiring more CPAs, even though that that works. I had a, I just had a desire to want to have a company, hmm. you know, do, to build some companies and, and do some things. And my first jump was my first venture beyond the CPA firm was I bought a small guest house. Hmm. And I held it for about 18 months, and I turned it over for a decent profit, and I took that money. Uh, that I made on the on the guest house and I bought into pink taxis, the think pink mm-hmm. taxis. And we grew that business with, with the, my partner. We grew it by a fair amount. Um, a lot of the profits that came off that were what I used to buy these two catamarans and that's how it, it all happened. Wow.
1: Okay, so you're working for an accounting firm and you're making a decision. I'm going to go, I, I, you wanted to do your own thing from the beginning yeah. and you started working there what was the push-off point for you to say, okay, it's time now to make that move to have my own firm?
0: You know, I had five and a half years of working for a very large firm. So my background was for everything from SEC work to mid-size, size you know, a lot bigger than anything in Key West. Right. And I thought to myself, you know, this isn't really helping you, Scott, if you want to return to Key West. Right. You're gonna to have to learn what that small business market's all about. Right. And so I worked for the I worked for a firm in Key West. That really, after those couple of years, I had you know I had really good tax background, yeah. right? So it wasn't much for me to get up to speed with some of the small business work I had a, a background in much larger work. Right. So I was able to learn in about two and a half years pretty much what I needed to do. Mm. But I I, I had an, what during those two and a half years working with that smaller firm here on the island, I was meeting a lot of people. and I already knew a lot of people, right? And I was out. In the community, meeting a lot of the people that I knew and seeing again. And they were, Scott, you working here in Kiyos as the CPA? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Okay, let me, we'd love to talk right. to you. Right. So I was I was generating, a, it seemed like a client a week, yeah. good clients. I mean, there was a lot of people that were seeking my service as a right. CPA. And it was it was refreshing as hell. I didn't have yeah. to spend a lot of marketing money at all. Right. It was just, you do good work, we need a good accountant. Yeah. Exactly. So I jumped into it. I think I had five clients when I opened my, I had five good clients when I I ventured out on my own, but I got up to a hundred with, it seemed like less than a year. Wow. And I was hiring CPAs like fast.
1: Yeah. The reason I ask questions like that and the reason I love this podcast is because There's little nuances that people need to understand that are important because I want to bring value to the audience listening about starting their own business and stuff like that. You didn't come where were you working at the time at that firm? What city? Right here in Key
0: West. No, no. The
1: other one before you came back.
0: uh, uh, Orlando, Florida.
1: Okay. So you're in Orlando. You're working for the number one accounting firm. In the world. In the world. And you didn't come here and say, cool, I'm a fourth generation. I'm starting my business right away you actually took a step back in other people's eyes possibly to go work for somebody else to learn the local business before then you made that leap to go start your own business. And that's very important to understand.
0: It is important. I, I, there, there was no way in the world I was ready to, you know, I needed those five and a half years at that national level because I learned an immense amount about tax work at the highest level. I thought that was a real advantage when I came you know, to open my own, you know. Right. But you I didn't go straight
1: work. from that to opening your own That's here. That's correct. I think you that, came here and learned locally what to do. you
0: damn right I did because yeah. we, I think I had to because the market I was working was very large and some very large, you know, you know very large business. Yeah. Some SEC work. Yeah. I was doing SEC work there. Right. So that wasn't here. And I wanted to come back here and get a feel for what small business in key west was i wanted to touch it feel it see it learn it and i did Mm. two and a half years i felt like i had had, and i had a jump start right i had a real good background Mm -hmm. on tax at the highest level tax work at the highest level so you know i think after two and a half years i got you know was very versed in small business tax law uh didn't take much because the stuff i was working on again was much 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 more in depth yeah of course what kind of kid were you growing up you know I probably was the worst student at the, our local high school graduated uh, I matter of fact a friend of mine recently said if they would have passed out least likely to succeed I would have got it <laughs> and I and I and I laughed because I, yeah I was that student who was you know skipped as much school as I could took the easiest classes um, yeah I didn't you know I was a, I was a baseball player uh, I got you know sidelined a couple different times for not keeping at least a C average on the baseball team. I right. mean, I was just, wasn't engaging it, yeah. at all.
1: What about outside of school? Were you, um, like, did you sell things? Did you buy, bring candy to school and sell it to kids? I mean, what were there other things business-wise you were into out of school or was it just sports and trying to skate by school?
0: Sports and trying to, I'm going to be really <laughs> honest with this yeah. podcast with you. I was just the, I, I had absolutely, z- z- you know, little I mean, I wouldn't say I had no motivation, but I wasn't, I didn't have my, I didn't have anything I was looking to do. Um, I was skating by school, water skiing, partying with my friends, and, um, you know, taking minimal classes, playing baseball, and it was a monumental year, it was 1984 for me. I got out of high school in 1980, and I was working for a local contractor here on the island, you know, busting my... But so you're, done with, you're done
1: with high school and you're like, okay, uh, I'm obviously not going to go to college or I don't want to do anything else. Let me just start bringing in some income and you're on the island and there's only so much you can do.
0: Well, you know, I did it. I thought to myself, well, you know, I'm going to try college. Okay. So, and my dad was like, how are you going to do that for? Yeah. <laughs> you, right. didn't do, you didn't right. like high school. Right. You know, you, but I said, I'm going to try it. And I went to Gainesville, Florida to Santa Fe Community College and I lasted six months up there and it just wasn't working. Uh, you know, I- Made minimal grades, you know, not not doing too much. Why not come back to Key West? Mm-hmm. Hang out with my friends. Right. Got to construct. I, wor-
1: I, I gave it a good try. Let me gave go gave it back. a
0: good try, and I, uh, I, you know, I just started uh, working for a, a construction company that was redoing City Electric, the whole building, and my job was sandblasting the whole building for a couple different summers. I think I'd lose 10 pounds a day and have to hydrate and gain it back. and. Mm. And, and and I had did I did that for almost four years. And I remember that was just grueling and I was living in a little apartment and I thought to myself, Man, there's gotta be something more I can right. do than this. And and what was that drive? Like why aren't you the age
1: you are outside? smelling really bad with bad hair and like really burnt driving a bicycle right now? Because that could be you. Sure. But it wasn't. Yeah. What what was that change that said, okay, enough of this four years of the hydrating and the rehydrating of probably using beer for the rehydrating yeah, to, to make that move? Because, I mean, to get your CPA's license, I know a lot of people that are keep failing that thing. It's not oh, like yeah. it's easy.
0: No, it's it's, a, it's, a, it's 10% of the people that take that exam will pass it the first time Yeah. You know, I, I had met a a wonderful woman in nineteen eighty one who I married to now for thirty five years. Wow. Um and we were we were living together and, and I felt, you know, it was she was young and we were very much in love as we still are today. Um and I just feel like it was failing our relationship. Mm. Should that I should do more mm. for her. And if we ever want to have a family, I thought to myself, How? I mean how can I even provide for my family? How can I do more for this relationship how can what what am i mm. you know in in two thousand nineteen eighty four i remember in april two thousand nineteen eighty four her and i we, we had had it and i'm working for you know ten bucks an hour she's working at a chiropractic office for eight bucks an hour and we're we're living check to check yeah, to check. Yeah, barely making it. Barely making it in this little apartment with no AC. And I thought to myself, there's got to be more. And and I thought to myself, okay, it's go time. Mm. You know, let's, We got to make a move.
1: But why, why were you not like, and we will get to the business of Fury, everybody, mm-hmm, but this mm-hmm. is important for people to know. Yeah. Because right now, so far, the picture that you're painting is that of what outsiders would call failure. Yep. But obviously, we know the end result here. Yeah. So why... What was the self-talk? Like, why weren't you like, well, I sucked in school. I didn't make it through college. Mm. This is going to be my life. W- what am I going to do? Why even bother? Try half empty. Why? Where did that, that, that motivation come from besides her?
0: I was disgusted. I think I was upset with myself. I, mm. I knew Breaking the point I, I had it. And it was, I remember the month. I remember the day. Even mm. it was, if you look back in 1984, April 13th was a Saturday, right? I remember that day, crystal clear, that I said, okay, this is enough of this. Yeah. You, you, you're cap- – because even when I was in high school, I knew if I – like teachers would say, okay, Scott, you got to make a 98%. I remember for me to graduate high school, i never forget this. A class that I had struggled to make season because I wouldn't attend, I wouldn't do the homework. Right. I think I had to make my social, ec- social economic t- – social studies teacher came in, Mr. Gallagher and said, Scott, you know you're not going to graduate. With your class. You're going to have to make a 98% on my final exam. He said, you haven't got above a 75 all year. Right. I'm going to keep you out of the line from graduating. I said, no, I'll make the 98. Well. Wow. I scored 104%. I wow. got the whole test right. And I got, so I knew when I needed to do it. Yeah. I knew that I had that, like in the same thing as when I played baseball as an athlete. When I wanted to be in it, I would bat fourth. I was the best hitter in the team when I wanted to be. When I would go out and do the things that, I requ- what I knew. I knew what success was. Right. It was just when I wanted to engage it, and when I didn't. Right. So at that point, in, in on that Saturday, April thirteenth, nineteen eighty four, I said, "Okay, I got it. this. Is about me. Right. I'm going to do more, and I'm capable of it. Right. And we chose Orlando, Florida. We rented a little trailer. Wow. This." Ho little trailer, which is cheap as we could find. And I had a beat up dots and had 140 thousand miles on it.
1: So you drove there from we, here? We,
0: we drove there. We packed it up. We had nothing. Yeah. We had this little trailer and, and I did started, you know anybody there? Not a soul. We didn't know anyone. well It was all in. All my chips were on me. Right. My wife gets a job. Which they
1: never were before. But no. all of a sudden your wife lit the fire, not her, but you and your care for her. Yes. And then that lit the fire for you, for you.
0: It was, it was all, you know, all numbers. It was now me. It was me. You're going to make this happen or not, Scott. Right. And at that time in my life, I, you have to hit to this place too, because that wouldn't have, in 1981, 82, 83, it was just at this point in time that, that I said, okay, I knew the time for change was upon me. Yeah. Right, and we drove up. I remember going to the grocery store. We bought you know ten dollar toasters, and we we had this little crappy trailer. And I drove my little Dodson. I signed up at the community college, and my wife got a job um, as a receptionist for a big medical medical uh, doctor office. You know, doctors' offices, and we were a very large firm. And mm-hmm. uh, we had one car, and i dropped drop her to work every morning at seven o'clock, and I'd go to school, and it was the most humble. The beginnings we could ever have. Yeah. We still to this day um, drive by that trailer park every once in a while, wow. and look at our old trailer. And it's these wonderful, humble beginnings that we had. That that we still look at that. And we've we have a house now, right? Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it, it was just a beautiful beginning for us, and we still reminisce about that.
1: And yeah. did she follow suit with the drive, or did she always have that drive? or she just She's got my, addicted to yours or
0: Yeah, well I think she, I think she was a shocked because you know how horrible of a, I wasn't horrible but I was a you know below average high school student and I was on a mission It was kind of funny how the timing in my life how this shift happened Yeah I didn't get bees I graduated top of my class. I didn't make B's. Wow. I graduated summa cum laude, wow, at the top of my class. I was highly recruited when I left college by every national accounting firm. My wife could tell you that we I was we were whined and dined by all the big big national firms. But you know, I took I decided that that shift in my life that okay, I can do a lot more. It's about me proving it to myself because I know I can. Yeah. And I did, and that was a monumental change for us. And uh it has been one wow. and listen, Tammy has been that's my wife, you know, she is the backbone of mm. most of what I you know, I, I don't think I could have accomplished uh half of what I have without her.
1: Yeah, I mean you referenced her as the beginning spark to cause this change because you wanted to have a better life for you and her and a future family and stuff. Sure. That it's you know, that that's an enormous motivator for people. Yeah. Um but what's great about the story is you got all A's. When you got your first A, were you like I knew it or were you like, Wow, I didn't know it? I mean, how was that?
0: Yeah, no. I you know, my wife could tell you that I was I would I was on a mission. Yes. I, I could
1: I, picture you coming home and slapping that A like against the fridge and be like, What's next? Next day boom, but it, boom. But
0: it was predictable because I was I would study you know i would be in school all day i would come home and study at night i would study on weekends i was on a mission yeah and it was you know i was getting a's because you saw the work i was putting it didn't yeah. come easy right i mean so i was putting in the time and when it come time to take the cpa exam i was like bring it on yeah this this i walked out every part of it 45 minutes early yeah well. i knew it i mean so that was a and we and we we survived those four years and i got a we finally were like, God, Scott's going to make real money. Yeah. You know, I had these firms giving you a $5,000 signing bonus plus right. taking you out to dinner and giving you tickets to games. And we're like,
1: holy shit. Yeah, you're like going this from is, zero to this. We're <laughs>
0: going from peanut butter sandwiches and chips. I mean, I, I got to say, that's the truth. We, I couldn't even, a lot of times, 4D in the cafeteria at my friends. Mm-hmm. We, we'd I'd sit out in the frisbee court. I'd tell my friends, no, I got to go right now. And yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd have a sandwich I packed and, and, and eat on the. Um, The ultimate frisbee court, you know, because... But I wouldn't change any of it for anything. It made us what we are. I had to go through all that to keep... It was the drive. It was... Yeah, I mean, adversity
1: is a backbone of success. It's a
0: wonderful thing. You're exactly right when you say that. Yeah.
1: Well, it seems like your attitude definitely was like... Take the island and burn the boats when it comes to your education because you're you and yet that wasn't even where it ended, right? Because you're like, okay, yeah, the education is the stepping stone to the next level and then the next level from there. So you start working for the accounting firm, you come back here, you're like, okay, I'm going from number one in the world to Key West, right? And then I'm going to start my own firm here, knowing that you probably would never make the same kind of money or the potential of moving up and make partner and all these different things in Orlando, but you still wanted to come here. Why did you want to come back?
0: You know, there's a saying, Key West, that you get sand in your toes. I'm not so sure that's completely accurate, but there was something about coming home. This is where my my mother, my father, my sisters were, all my family was. My grandparents were still alive at the time, my Bahamian granddad and my Mm. Bahamian, my my Cuban grandmother. And it just, all my friends were here. Um, It just, you know, should we have moved back? You know that's debatable. You know, but we did, and I right. look at the story right now, and the interest. Hell yeah, we should have came here. Yeah. But you know, uh, we did, and um, you know, it, it's, it's, it was it was the right move for us. And we we also uh, while I was working for you know big firm Arthur Anderson, we had a a, a son, and um, we were you know, he was not able to see his. His grandparents much, right. you know. My grandpa my parents would drive up to see us, you know, once a month, something like that. And we thought, if we have another child, it'd be good the family to see our 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 chi- our children. My sisters, ha- my sister had children, and we just wanted to get closer mm-hmm. to the family, and that's why mm-hmm. we came back. But I also make no mistake about it; I wanted to have Scott Saunders' accounting firm in Key West. Right. That was just. just something I wanted. Right.
1: Okay. So you had that, you had success in that. You're like, all right, I I'm entrepreneurial. I need more than just this clearly from going up there for the education Mm -hmm. on to now you did the, you bought the the small home and you flipped that. And then what was your next step from there? The taxi cab company, you sold that. And then. then
0: Right. So actually what, you know, there was the little guest house I had Andrew's in and we, we bought it for a number my wife and I, and we kind of built into something better and we flipped it and took that and, and bought an interest in the five, six taxi Cab company. And I had in 2004, uh, when I looked at this, these two boats and I went, okay, how can this work with my taxi cab company? Right. How can, what can I do? Can I taxi cabs on water one way or another? <laughs> right. It's not, but yeah. and there's a lot of people in your back seat. Yeah. How can I parlay that client base into my boats? How can I move them from here to here? Right. And so that was kind of a, a thought. And I thought, well, this this company only does they only have cruise ships they only do cruise ship passengers you know? right and They're, the
1: taxi cab is picking up people coming into town not from sure cruise ships.
0: so I thought to myself the, the problem with this company that has these two catamarans that has no real brand no name no nothing there's a real market out here mm-hmm. when I started looking at it and um and I looked at the, the, who the competitors were at the time which is Sebago, Sunny Days Sunset I looked at you know they were dominated the public market because. This one company had cruise ship contracts. That's all it had. Didn't right. do anything. The mo- but I started looking at, you know, these, the comp- who became my competitors. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at, you know, their boats were full. And I started looking at the tours they were doing. And I thought, you know, the problem with the company that has cruise ship contracts, you have one customer. right? So if the cruise ship stopped coming here, you're dead in the water. And two what negotiation power what negotiation power no. do you have no, with, no. with one customer right they dictate price they tell you what to do and how to do it yeah I thought that was a dangerous posture so uh, buying the two boats I had a vision beyond just working with cruise lines right matter of fact my vision was that we would get away from the cruise lines and there's a very robust there was a very robust public market that my competitors were in and I thought if we get in it we're going to have to do it better because they're, they've, they've got all the hotel contacts and the concierge desk and the sales channels that, that were out there that could sell our tour. They had them pretty tied up. So we, I had a little bit of a game plan okay. um, to get that mark, go into that market, and when start you went taking into some that of their market.
1: business. Did you say, okay, one one boat is going to be for cruise, and the other will market towards the new business? Or did you just go all in again?
0: I went all in. Both boats, <laughs> fill them up. Let's get let, Let's go. And, right. You're like,
1: sorry, cruise ship. We're not playing. We're going all so in. So
0: I, what I did with the cruise lines is said, okay, here's the deal. Mm. Instead of you having two boats exclusively, I'm going to give you 50 seats in each one. Right. And the other 100 seats, I'm going to tell, tell the public. Right. And they were like, well, no, you can't do that. Our contract's for the whole boat. I said, no, it's not anymore. Right. Well, I'll start giving you the seats you need. Yeah. And that's how we're going to do business. Right. Of course, that, that, that caused a little trepidation of of them course. for a while. But, um, but I they started, agreed. Well, they did. And here's why. I ordered a third boat like right away. Mm. Two, you know, I ordered a new boat in 2005 right away so I can give them more yeah. and while I continue to grow this market. and But my vision, too, was even more than that. I knew there was – I knew – and here goes back to the genesis of the company. Yeah. I knew that if we were going to get if – if I was going to do this – I knew that we needed a brand. I knew that we needed people, important, great people. right? right? And I, my vision was doing something that was encompassing for all who wanted to be on the water. More than just reef snorkel and sunset sail. Mm-hmm. And I had competitors out there that had a lock on that. So it was twofold. It was growth and having a panacea of water adventure for you know offering more than just snorkel and sunsets hence in 2005 i acquired the glass bottom boat from the artman family who had that business since 1958 Mm -hmm. launched a parasail business in late 2005 with a single boat and we started doing parasail and offering that to the cruise lines in public then i started looking we weren't you know our sunset numbers our reef snorkel numbers were still being dominated by our competitors and i thought okay how can we be
1: better so you weren't going after their business yet?
0: Oh, yes, I was. Uh, right. And from day one. Yeah, I
1: was going to say. You and seem trying like
0: you to raise the bar, too. Yeah. I was trying to create more experiences on the water. Like, for instance, glass bottom boat, a lot yeah. of people don't want to get in the reef. They just want to see it. Right. So we, we wanted to have more offerings. I wanted to build a brand that had more offerings of everything you could do on the water. And we're going to get into the trips, too, how this morphed into yeah. doing specialty trips. and, But the idea early on was just don't compete against these guys let 's develop new products to the marketplace, then a lot of that traffic that they have will come to me right because they don 't offer those things take our take herein lies the genesis of the commotion on the ocean mm. their sunsets we were getting twelve to fifteen people on our sunset a night on a boat that hold one hundred wow. and twenty seven people and i 'm looking at their boats packed people you know yeah they 're packed and i 'm thinking we got a better boat right more user friendly upper deck boat, but their boats are full i 'm thinking this is crazy. So, what what could what what could make our sunset be best? And so, we put a band on him. Yeah. We said okay, and that really I give a lot of that to, to Charlie Bauer, who at the time was with Hog's Breath Saloon and had the songwriters festival he does every year in Key West. Yeah. He's, why don't we put a? Uh, in a he's one of the uh, he's an, also a smaller owner in, in, in Fury. Um, after the fact, mm-hmm. you know, years later, right, but, right, right. Um, good friend of mine and. He thought, "Why don't we put some musicians on the boat? That would be kind of a cool thing." It created hogs breath really on the water, right? right?" And so we thought, "Well, that would be a really different sunset." Can you even do it? Yeah, musical equipment on a boat with water and rain, right? So the answer was no. So the boat we, you know, because we'd have to hook up these generators and reverse wiring and wow. But so that we, when we ordered the new boat, which was uh, uh, the 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 Key West Fury, Mm -hmm. which was the third catamarans we bought two, right? that boat was built with generators in the engine room, with wiring and the whole thing. And so we did a couple of commotions. We started out small before the new boat got here. And we saw the people thought, that's the greatest shit ever.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't picture going out there without music now. Right. So
0: And so when the Key West Fury got here, um, we started doing these commotions a couple times a week. And um, every time we'd do one, it would sell out. And all of a sudden, we so went from
1: fifteen seats to sell out.
0: We started going. The people loved this. They love the live bands, some margaritas, and appetizers. Oh, we yeah. knew we had a hit. And so, we, was there
1: food before? No. So no food, no music. Now you put food, music, and booze, and it's like hello. It was.
0: It was. It, it changed the sunset experience. Yeah. And, and my competitors, you know, they just their boats were never, you know, fit. fit they weren't ever fit for that. You yeah. have you know generators in the engine room that can hold you know per, output for 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 band equipment. So we knew we had something special with that and it continues to be special um, more and more all the time. Um, But that was a trip that as we grew this as part of the vision to have more offerings and ultimate adventure came into being as the ultimate express, the Island adventure, all these trips as that's what fury is. We're a great group with more offerings on the water, something for everyone. Right. And when you
1: first bought the
0: two boats,
1: mm-hmm. how long did it take before you saw positive revenue?
0: I think about two and a half years <laughs> we were we were breaking even because and here's why we could have made positive revenue after year one, but I was everything even the profit we made we didn't take out
1: right you fed the business.
0: And that we fed that beast for a long time yeah. because I bought you know the Caribbean, Key West Fury in two thousand and five, then in two thousand and nine I bought the Caribbean Fury. I bought the glass bottom boat in two thousand and five. We were buying new parasail boat every year. We're up to eight parasail boats now. So we were building. There was no dividends per se to right. owners or Scott Saunders. Right. We were taking profit and ploting it back, building this thing called Fury Water Adventures. Right. And we have you know the Corinthians that go way into the back country now. So we were we were building something with a vision, a long, a, we had a very long-term vision of what we were doing right? and what we wanted to create. And then this, you know, Fury wasn't created overnight. I think the vision was, we had the vision very early on, but it's taken 17 years to get to where we are today.
1: Where you are today, do you think you had that vision early?
0: I did, believe it or not. Yeah. I, I, I did have a vision of what this could be because yeah. I, 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 I saw a very robust market and I think Key West was is a special place. I mean, I grew up here, so I knew it was, where else in the world do you have the Gulf of Mexico on one side and the Atlantic Ocean on the other? Third largest, you know, barrier mm-hmm. reef in the world right here. You have really special things. You know, and some of the things that I I think separated us from our competitors were we began to attract people to come to Key West. Mm-hmm. I remember early on being in a, with my marketing staff, and there's only there's three of us in the room, and we're talking about how we get tourists once they're here onto our boat. And we all went. Me especially. Let's not wait for him to get here. Right. How can we attract him? How can we? How can we start making the brand, which is becoming known, available to people in South Florida, West Florida, you know, Melbourne? How can we start attracting these people down here? What can we do? Right. Let's bring the people here. Right. Let's work with the hotels, and that. And so I can talk about this now. Yeah. We started a concierge service. We manage eight desks to this day. We are, so I went out to the hotels and said, Hey, your concierge desk, you like running it? No, we have trouble staffing it. How about if I turn it into a profit center for you? Yeah. How about if I manage it for you?
1: And that's here in Key West. That's here
0: in Key West. We manage eight manage eight desks today.
1: But you never did that in any of the other cities. What did you do for marketing in the other cities? And What year was that?
0: Well, that's that's and you know, it started in when I started the company. So that's Ford.
1: way before social. So it was all radio. like print. It was and, all print, yeah. TV. Yeah, we yeah, were TV radio. we were spending.
0: We were doing national advertise spots yeah. with fury. Yeah, and we started really marketing people to come here mm. instead of just trying to once they land at the airport or we have billboards in the keys and we're trying, we're, we're looking at ways to get our brand out more and more. And that started separating us because I think our competitors were really focusing on, you know, once they get here, yeah. how do we get them? Yeah. You know, and we were focusing on, let's bring them here.
1: Well, you kind of had that feeling and thought process when you were with a taxi cab company. Cause you're like, okay, I have the taxi cab with people in there and that's mar- I can let me, how can I market them after they leave to another profit center, which would be going on boats and doing tours like this. And then now you're like, okay, people come here and they want to go and do all these tours and stuff. But where are they before they walk outside their hotel? They're in the hotel. We can have concierge in the hotel, pushing our brand and our product from there. And then where are they before they come here? Well, they're in other South Florida
0: locations.
1: Of course they are. So let's market to them.
0: We even had, we went to Miami um, and we were, um, we hired people to go and wine and dine those concierge, to send these day trippers to Key yeah. West. We marketed heavy at the concierge desks in and marathon. So we really were looking just beyond Key West and we were building a company down here with, you know, new vessels, all you know, more new vessels, more products. I mean, you look at the best attraction companies, you know, we're not Disney by any stretch, but you've got to roll out a new product. Yes. Everyone and we've done that successfully. We've rolled out New product after new product from the commotion on the ocean, Island Adventure, Ultimate Adventure, Ultimate Express, Dolph- D- Dolphin Snorkel Watch. We we have continued to have more offerings, and we we got things in the hopper today. Yeah, we we have to be fresh. We have to be innovative, and because, you know, w- it, you know how many times can people do the same thing? Right. I mean, it's still going to be fun, but we want to be that you company. Want repeat business. We want repeat business, and we got to have some offerings for them.
1: Yeah, if you want to have. A, a raving fan, which is someone that's going to be there with you for the long haul, sure. you need to always innovate. I mean, it's like tech. It's you're, like any other business.
0: You're spot on.
1: Yeah. So it's it seems like your mindset always was, this is going to work. Let's keep feeding the beast. We must always innovate and grow. Was there ever a feeling of, I got to quit? Yeah, I, I, I mean, not so like everyone has that in no, their own mind. No, listen, but.
0: you you hit on a really really interesting topic because there were times along the way that uh, I became very discouraged, um, but we persevered. I, and I several come to mind. I remember early on.
1: What's the most painful one?
0: Oh, the oil spill, the potential of the two thousand and ten oil spill, the BP oil spill. Mm-hmm. That 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 really really affected me mentally and physically. Um, because there was every scientist on the globe predicting that it was the end of the keys. Yeah. And they were all, the University of Miami scientists couldn't have been more wrong. Yeah. And he was touting that this is, it was the impossibility of this oil not to make it to the keys. Right. And I remember getting up in the middle of the night repeatedly looking at these different forecasts that were coming in, and they all talked about, and this this oil had to make it into the loop current. There was no way around it. Right. It was going to start flooding into the loop current, and when it did, it would annihilate the keys. Right. They were saying this, and there was every scientist saying it. And then there was this wonderful intervention that Mother Mother Nature decided to form. It was called a gyra. When the oil didn't, the loop current that flows from uh-huh. here to Spain, pinched off and separated. Wow. And it stopped being a loop current.
1: Someone was looking out for the key big time, boy.
0: <laughs> and all of a sudden, this oil just stopped stuck, got stuck right in the Gulf. Now that's, it was never good, but I'm saying it didn't make, none of the scientists thought that could happen, even though this pinch in the loop current happens at varying times, Wow, right? it just so happened because they were, they would have been dead on if it wasn't for this pinch that all of a sudden the loop current pinched and it stopped moving. And this oil sat there and it, it stayed, you know, pinched, so it wasn't running during a very critical time. It was, you know, we can call it the hand of God or divine intervention, but it was something. Yes. Because that much oil coming through our reefs would have been devastating.
1: Yeah. So during that time before you were celebrating about the pinch, what kept you going?
0: Well, but there was even there was times when in the, 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 the 2000. And, I mean, I just really bought these two catamarans, and we had some real storms in 2004 and 2005, and. I remember being in dry dock with these boats and these hurricanes were, you know, forecast to be here and we're readying the boats in dry dock. And it was a very stressful time um, during those four and five hurricane seasons that, you know, I'm new to this. I am still learning. Yeah. I'm not a mariner right. really yet. I'm a businessman. I'm in dry dock. I'm learning about our boats. We're having to, you know, put big metal stakes and keeps our boats, you know. Right. So, they but don't... you're also
1: an accountant, so you can see when there's blood in the
0: business. <laughs> sure, and it, and I tell you, it, it there was those those four and five years were very stressful times because we were threatened with a lot of storms and a couple. We had a couple of hurricane hits. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, what the hell have you done, Scott? You know, you've gotten into something, you don't know what you're doing. You're dry docking these boats. You're building this brand. Do you Should you pull the plug here? Yeah. You know, I just I mortgaged my house. Wow. My wife's going, Scott, what are you doing? Yeah. We, you just put $400,000 on our house. Yeah. How is this going to happen? Right. And I stayed the course. And we kept staying. We stayed the course. Here's an example. In that oil spill in 2010, my marketing team had rented a helicopter. This is a Saturday. And this was at the time when they were saying the oil is going to get here. Yeah. It's a matter of time. Right. And so my marketing, John Penny is the creative director at black dog advertising. He had rented a helicopter to marathon to do some aerial stuff of our, our boats. And he called me up and he says, Scott, I'm at the helicopter. You want me to do this or not? Because Key West is about to become undone. If yeah. This oil hits. Yeah. I said, John, get up in the helicopter, fly. Right. right. I can't run my business thinking that I'm going to be out of business. Right. I've, Persevered four, I persevered five. Right, we've got to continue the course. We've got to stay true to the vision, and we did. And he was like, "Okay, I'll." Sh-. And sure enough, we went out to the reef that day. That was kind of a funny day. The helicopter came so close to the boat; had its sail off, it almost got pushed onto the reef. It oh my was, god! But anyway, we we've we've been at that place where you think this is as close to quitting as you can come. Yeah, and we just didn't. We persevered, we persevered. And I guess some people would have thought, you're just crazy and lucky. Maybe.
1: Right. And what about biggest success? I'm, I'm assuming wanting to quit and that and then overcoming that would yes. be a giant success. But it what is. comes to your mind first with
0: the business? Well, you think about biggest success. Um, if Fury's biggest success is its people, hmm. you know, if you think about biggest success, you, we, we're talking about a group of, of people here that are passionate about what they do, they're passionate about their company, they're passionate about the people they work with, and I'm passionate about every damn one of them. Yeah. I mean, that is our biggest success, that we've got this monumental group from captains and crew to administration that are passionate about this company. I mean, my biggest success is being able to work with all them.
1: And what do you do to keep that passion alive with them? How do you, how do you handle all of these people and,
0: and understanding what they want? You know, in, in a sentence... I give a damn about all of them hmm. a lot more than a damn. Hmm. Hmm. damn. Is they're, that... they're, I, I care about every one of these people know that, that, that I am in it with them every yeah. day. And th- this goes beyond even work. These people could call me uh, in the middle of the night. I'm out of bed. What can hmm. I help? What hmm. can we do? We are the fury family. We are, we are that we are a special group. And were you, were you always like
1: that with your friends growing up or where did that come from?
0: <laughs> you know, i do not so. I think I've always been a passionate person, and I'm, you know, in t- inwardly I'm very intense. Right? That's always been the case, even though you wouldn't recognize that during high school. But I think I had an intense side of me always. But you know, I, I think as I've gotten older, right. I've matured a lot, and you start realizing what's really important. You gain a lot of wisdom through time, especially as you go through some of these experiences that you think, "Man, we're lucky to have survived the oil, the hurricanes, all these things." Right. You know, and you you find these people that have stuck with you. But um, why did they stick with you? I think they, they it's saw... not after they, the fact, they it's saw stirring. They saw the passion I had and how much this meant to me. And I saw... They, they saw in me... I th- I'm speaking for them right. right now, but I think they saw that I was all in and I was passionate about what I was doing and that I was passionate about them being in it with me. And right. it's kind of this unspoken thing, but... You know, they they saw how hard I was willing to work and the chances I was willing to take and the risks I was willing to take on. And they went like, dude, if you're going to do this. If you're going to do that, I've got your back. Yeah. And I always had their back. Right. If it was a family situation or whatever it was. And so there's this, we've always had each other's back. They've seen my investment in time and energy and- the risks I was willing to take and make sure they got paid, even like the most recent Hurricane Irma. We paid our people. Huh. We didn't say hey, good good luck, guys. Right. That's not who we are. Right. We paid our people during this time so they continue to pay their rent and eat. Right. Right. So I think that's, you know, we're just we're passionate about I would say people can say, you're passionate about your brand. Well, we are passionate about our brand, but we're passionate about our people. Right, because they are the brand. You're damn right they are. Yeah,
1: that's what it sounds like. And it's funny because almost everyone I've been interviewing that have been successful in running their own businesses and stuff like that in the past episodes all talk about Fury. And a lot of the story is when I – because I always ask, when did you first come to Key West? Because not everyone are conks. And it's like, yeah, I remember my first job. Working with Fury, working on one of the boats, or working here. It's almost like a rite of passage right when you're on. young and you're coming here. Now, obviously, a lot of them stay, mm-hmm. and a lot of them, maybe that wasn't their dream or passion and they followed it, but you have touched a lot of people that you don't even know that are running businesses around here because you helped them stay because they got work from you and,
0: and yep. they obviously liked it. Yeah. No, they're, they're, and, they're and you're right. Believe it or not, we have a lot of people like my ops. My my, uh, my head of ops operations manager John Ocasio, known as J B. He was a mate on our boats. He was a mate on our boats when when I uh, for the two catamarans. You know um, when we first started. Scott Aaron's one of my parasol captains. Was a mate on the catamaran as I first started. It's still with the company today. Yeah. Now they're capping everything and operations managers. But I've got people. You know, there's so many people that have been here a long time. Our captains, other captains that have been here since the inception. I mean, I think it, 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 there have been a lot of people come from Fury, and I, I, I tell you, I'd like to, I'd like to think every one of them had a great experience with us. Um, and I think they did because I, I can tell you, as a company, it would never, it would never be anything else from the company
1: yeah i think i know the answer to this but what keeps you passionate about this business and people
0: yeah that's what i thought the damn people i mean these people i I, you know i I do i I feel every day i get to pull up to work that i'm one of the luckiest businessmen on the island because i get to come to work with this great group yeah that that truly cares about the customer experience they really care about their environment they care about the reef I mean, I, had, I, was on, I did an interview with Frank from Blue Zoo recently, and he uh-huh. came down to Key West, and he says, went out in our snorkel boats, and he says, Scott, I got to tell you, we're out in your boat, we're coming back from the reef, and your captain, Anna, did a U-turn because she spotted a plastic bag. Huh. He said, we were running a little bit late, but she didn't care. She right. did a U-turn, got the plastic bag off the water, and we finished going into Key West. I said, yeah. that's our captains. Right. They're passionate about the resource as well.
1: Yeah, I, all the times I've ever been out on the water, it's always about making sure the plastic goes in the garbage and not yes. in the ocean because we don't want 50 years from now there to be nothing but plastic. Well, you know, that. we
0: do – not to talk about all the things that we do, but we do some very good things in addition to, you know, the things we do and the memories we create for customers. But we do beach cleanups once a month. Yeah. We're, we we go out on our own dime. We load our boats up. and We ask volunteers to join. And if we don't get enough, we our, our crew is always willing to jump in administratively and captains and crew. And we clean up thousands of pounds of garbage every single month.
1: And that's in Key West. Yeah. And we how get, does somebody sign up for that?
0: We we always we talk we, we, we post it digitally, okay. you know, on, on the digital platforms. We we put it in the local papers. Um, and we get we usually get pretty decent turnout. We yeah. put about twenty people in the boats. It's NOAA approved. We get the right permits from Sanctuary. Um, to go do these cleanups. We do Woman Key, Boco. We go up back to the Outer Islands, and we pick up a ton of garbage. Oh, I bet.
1: Yeah, my wife and I, we would do a beach cleanup in Miami, right outside where we were living. Um, And we kind of started that whole cleanup process in that area. And the pounds and pounds of stuff that we started with two of us and then ended up being 20 of us Mm -hmm. would pull out of the water was just crazy. And most of it, you would think, oh, there's just people throwing it out their, their car window. But most of it were... From boating, because a lot of times, not on purpose, you have a water bottle that's half empty and you hit a wave or the wind blows and yep. it goes overboard yep. and you're like, "Ah, forget it. And then guess what? It ends up uh, getting someplace it shouldn't get to.
0: Yep, I know. Yeah, we we see a lot of plastic and that is the part that you know, we we're hearing lots about plastic right now and it's 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 none of it's good. Um but we're hearing more about and we see it in the beach cleanups. We're I think, you know, we peel off anywhere from twelve hundred to fifteen to eighteen hundred pounds of garbage off the beaches. Believe it or not, that's a lot. Yeah, and It seems like not a lot, but it is a it lot. It is a lot. And I'd say three quarters of that's plastic. in yeah. some form of plastic.
1: It's a shame. That's a that's a whole other podcast we can get into a oh, plastic we, issue. We sure could. Um so Key West is a small town, but not right. We have lots of tourists that come in here. Mm -hmm. What do you do to keep yourself sharp and continue to educate yourself? I know we talked earlier about podcasts and books. Do you, are there conferences? Do you travel to other locations that have similar businesses? What do you do?
0: Well, I always do it. I, 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 you know, I do, if I'm on an attraction somewhere else, I'm clearly looking at what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, even if I'm in a restaurant, looking at how they're socially reaching out to me, what text message they're sending me, what email do I receive. Right. I'm constantly looking at what other like-kind businesses and non-like-kind businesses are doing. And I always look at how can any of those advancements, how can that work for Fury? Yeah. How can we bring that into what this experience is? And But I have younger people here that are usually way ahead of me on that. Right. You know? Um, but I'm always, when I, when I travel, I was just in Nash, uh, Asheville, North Carolina, and I was in a little brewery. And I thought, and I was looking at some of the things they were doing. And, and I, yeah, I did, I did take that. There was a takeaway with some of that stuff. And I thought, oh, how can we apply that in Key West? Yeah. And, you know, so I'm always, you know, I don't travel enough. <laughs> right. Um, but I look forward to it. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, name something that you love in the business that, you do that most people wouldn't think that you do?
0: Oh, let me see. In the business. Besides these awesome podcasts. Yeah, right (laughs) on. Right on. Um, That I do, you know, I still, I guess people wouldn't think that I still involve myself in the accounting process because that's the CPA side of me, but I'm still, you know, I'm still really looking. I like looking almost in a granular way at our data. I like mining my data. To well, say, you know how I can read. So I'm still that guy who's the the the, the CPA nerd, yeah. I'm really mining my data, looking at what the what the what what the secret in this is, yeah. To say, okay, what can we do better? How can we reach a customer in a different way? Uh, what's peak time? How do they buy? I'm you know I'm trying to really tell me see if there's secrets in the data and what can we what can we what can we do with that
1: information? well that knowing that data is a huge advantage because it builds the foundation of the business especially when you're looking at EBITDA and all these different things that go into the business itself that some people are like yay I'm cash flow positive and it's like well okay let's talk about how much cash you have in the bank how much operating cash does the business have that's different than yay we're green this month it's like no you have to pay people 30 days 60 days out you're actually in the red and you don't right. even know that right, right?
0: It, because you know profitability and cash flow are two different things yeah. some people think, like, well I made 100 dollars this month there's 100 dollars in the bank no you had debt service or you had capital you know capital investment yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it, you know, you're you're exactly right. Yeah. You're you're obviously well schooled in business, but (laughs) a lot of people aren't. A lot of people think, oh, I've just made $100. I got $100. Well, no, you got to, you got liabilities to pay down. You've got to capitalize your balance sheet, so on and so forth. But I am still that guy that loves being a CPA, too. I mean, I, um, uh, that's kind of. You got
1: your start. You, you believed in yourself to get into that that sector of your it, life.
0: And it is the language of business. Yeah. I mean, it just is. I mean, it, you know, I tell anyone, show me, show me financial statements. You're not going to fool me. Right. Is If your financial statements, I mean, I'll spot the error in that in five minutes. Yeah. And I still, my accounting department, they, that's one of the things is they, like my accounting manager, Katie would say, don't give him something without us looking at it because he'll <laughs> spot it right. pretty quick.
1: Well, you know, there's a thing too, not to get nerdy on the accounting side, but there, there are things that, that people don't understand Because we aren't taught those things in regular school and the government doesn't come out and say, by the way, do you know that you have the ability to have this tax write-off or this or that? And it's not people sometimes get scared and they're like, oh, I'm trying to buck the system by doing this or that. But it's the system was put there to say you are allowed these specific things. And if you have a massive business and you're making millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions or thousands. Those things could make a difference month after month, year after year.
0: No doubt about it.
1: So get a good accountant and understand that business for sure. No doubt. Yeah. Okay. So what legacy do you want to leave behind?
0: That we came into this business and made it, made the, and that we left no, we left it better than it was when we started. And that is kind of a, a thing for us is that you know we're very lo- we're very much into reef restoration mm. we We want to be part of restoring our local reefs and we have spent tens of thousands of dollars in that effort. Mm. we're about to endeavor even that much more. We want to be able to leave no footprint and leave the footprint that's much better. We want to start planting lots and lots of coral out to our local reefs yeah, and this is an excellent. initiative. That has been ongoing since 2005. We work with Moat, and we have worked with David Vaughn at Moat. We're now working with this, um, uh, um, David David at a new location. It's called A Plant a Million Corals, his foundation. We're working with Sanctuary Foundation, but reef restoration is a big piece of what we want. That's if we leave a if there's a legacy for this company, is that Fury created great memories. Fury creates memories of a lifetime for our customers but we also left a reef far better off than it was when we started.
1: Mm, I love that. What about a legacy for you personally, like you as a man in the business?
0: Yeah, in the business just to me it's about my people the, the yeah. people I get to work with that you know for long for as long as that I for as long as I continue to be a part of this thing called Fury and I'm honored to work with such great people is that they're that we don't lose that that, that we don't lose what makes us great. Yeah. You know that I don't want to I don't I know it would be my time to to you know have some younger smarter person come and replace me when I lose that passion or they 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 feel I'm not getting it done for them mm-hmm. that I may have maybe I'm not I don't fit anymore. I just don't see that happening. But if it did, I would, you know, that would be my time to step aside. But I don't, I don't see where that's anywhere on the near horizon.
1: Yeah. I I feel, and just knowing you briefly that, that, that one of the things that will go on is people who work for you will say, what a great boss, what a great man, what a great company.
0: You'll hear me say to anyone who says the boss word that I am no one's boss. Yeah. And they'll all tell you that I, I, I don't use, that's not even a word I asked them. To, I asked them to stop using that word. Yeah. I, I don't, I am in no one's boss. I yeah. am I am another one of them. Yeah. You'll you'll hear me often refer to I'm another spoke in, in the wheel, mm-hmm. that this wheel turns every day and we're all spokes in it. Right. And I'm one of those spokes, and I'm here willing to work as hard as any of you are. And I think they they know that I am.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the five-star general is still a soldier. you damn right. how it is. That's right. Um, give us a uh, – well, first – where we're gonna find more about you? I'm gonna put all that in the show notes. But do you have any any websites besides your website or anything you'd wanna to, to leave with people?
0: You know, I I, it's a, I don't I I you know, and I know that sounds crazy, but I don't have an Instagram. I don't I don't do Facebook. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just haven't ever, and I I think if it's a rabbit hole that you can go down. You can you know, I've ever I could see me spending too much time on right. it, and I know I probably should, but I don't. Um, so it's not. I do have a Facebook page. Right. I, I haven't. I haven't gone on it in probably a year. Um, but you know, I, I had a Twitter account that I might go on every six months. Right. I mean, and I know I should, but you know, I think well, I shouldn't say I know I should because yeah, it doesn't. You it, shouldn't. It's just not what I do. Right. I'm, I'm here with these people. I know we're doing as a company. I know we're we're doing with our community. I know the passion we have for our local reefs and the restoration efforts you know, these are the important things for me. And, you know, making sure I follow up my team and getting emails on time. And I think to myself, if I, if I start engaging with the social platform, some of that might suffer.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is what I do with social media and, and marketing and stuff like that. But it's not about, oh, well, you should be on Instagram or Twitter, like Twitter yeah. would be good for you, because you love people. And it's a good place for you to communicate and stuff like that. Right. But That doesn't mean you should do it. You know you. You need to stop judging others on that. And you're not complaining about it.
0: No, and I mean, so can you, if there's, you know, there's there's not much to know about me. I mean, from that aspect, because I don't put it out there. I mean, I graduated from college. Yeah. You've, we've gone through it. We've gone through so much today that yeah. no one knows about.
1: What about the website for? Um, do you have a foundation for the cleanup or all that, or is that just? It's all Fury. Okay. Yeah, we
0: don't have a foundation for that. We we Max um, um, Mungle handles you know orchestrating those scheduling that with sanctuary sanctuary council uh, staff so that we have the required permits and that Noah joins us in these beach clamps so that they're. Uh, you know, permitted and all these things. So uh, we just do that. He schedules them once a month. I think we did two last month. Okay. So, uh, yeah, but we put, you'll see when we're going to do those, we we definitely put that on our, our I think, Instagram or Facebook pages. Okay. And you'll see all on that. On the
1: website, can we find that too? I'm pretty sure. Okay. I'm not so
0: sure the fa I, you know, I don't know the answer to that. It might be, I know it's definitely on our on, on Facebook and Insta, but it probably is on our website. Yeah,
1: too. well, Instagram, the person that's running it was very responsive because that's how we connected. So if you do want to ask about that, you can always go in and message Fury sure. on on their Instagram account and stuff like that. Okay, before we go, mm-hmm. I always have one last question. Right on. And that is give us a tip of the day. Now, it can be a new gadget. It could be... Uh, You just got this weighted blanket. It could be you love these new cotton uh, boxer briefs, anything.
0: Hmm. Oh, let me a tip of the day. Um, Be unconventional. Mm -hmm. Think outside the box and do what others aren't.
1: I love it. A great way to end. Listen, this was wonderful. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. You're, you're super busy, but I can tell you have a passion and a love for people. So I really appreciate your time.
0: I'm honored I get a chance to speak with you today. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye.
1: Hi, everyone. One last thing before you go. If you can, please leave a comment and rate the podcast and any of the apps that you listen to us in. It'll mean the world to us. That's it. Have a great day.